Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch and review and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Chris, back again this week with Patrick. Hey! And Steven. Hello! And uh, it's not Halloween anymore, unfortunately. Sadly. We are in November. We're, we're going to try to keep the Halloween spirit alive a little bit with this episode. But uh, did you guys have a good Halloween? What What is the... How does one celebrate halloween during a pandemic in your neck of the woods fellas i didn't really i slept most of the day on halloween and then i woke up the next morning and it was snowing so (laughs) seems seems fitting for this year i just had like a very small group of people like quarpod like three people over for an actual like quasi halloween party and watched like a zillion more horror movies than usual not going to get into the details because there's just too many. I'm going to plug a Junji Ito book, though. I read some new Junji Ito. It's called Gyo, G-Y-O. It's about uh, a swarm of legged killer fish who swarm Japan. That in itself is pretty awesome, but even better than the main story is a little backup story in the back uh, called The Enigma of Amigara Fault. And if you want to be a cheapskate, Oh, I've read that one. Yeah, if you want to be a cheapskate, you can find this shit online for free. It's a PDF. It's like 20 pages. It's one of just, uh, I mean, I've talked about this guy on this show before, but of the many weird and horrifying little bite-sized concepts he's come up with, this is my favorite one. Basically, people-shaped holes uh, appear in a mountain, and people are just drawn to like walk into and then like wedge themselves into their holes, and uh, it gets fucked up from there. But it's pretty spooky was, shit. Yeah, that was one of the highlights of my pandemic Halloween. How about you, Chris? Oh, uh, my Halloween was mostly a bust. This is the second year in a row where I've had really uh, pressing shit going on that happens to fall on Halloween. So I didn't get to really do too much Halloween stuff. I was out and about in the community uh, as trick or treating hours began, and I saw, you know. A little bit of Halloween spirit. You know, we had uncharacteristically balmy weather on Halloween because we live on a dying planet. And I saw kids frolicking around and people trying to have social distance, socially distanced or not socially distanced candy delivery. I came up with some ideas for like if I ever own a house, how I want to do trick or treating. I had an idea of having um, because, you know, a lot of people were like putting shit out at the end of their sidewalks or whatever for kids to collect. I want to make a web, like a spider web, at the end, at at the sidewalk in the front of my house, and it'll be made out of like rope. And the spider web will have different treats and snacks attached to it, like with clothespins. <laughs> Actually, it won't be right on the sidewalk. It'll be kind of halfway between the sidewalk and the house. So kids will come up and they'll get their candy. But then while they're getting their candy, I got a big spider on a pulley in a tree that comes down, <laughs> either comes down. On top of the spider web, or it comes down quietly behind them, so when they turn around to leave, it's there. That's dope. And like this might be a liability, but you know, with some with some equipment and some rope, you could actually make it climbable. Like the treats, the the low hanging fruit gets eaten up early. <laughs> yeah, the longer the night goes on, the higher you have to go into the web. <laughs> but it's it's sticky, so so if you get to a certain part, you just get stuck, <laughs> and you're writhing. Anyway, I yeah, I mean that jail. also reminds me of the other hallmark of my quarantine Halloween, which is I just bought and ate an obscene amount of Halloween candy. I mean, I do that any Halloween, but there's still so much fucking Halloween candy left at my house. So, like, literally, if any Amon listeners out there need some candy, I you know what? This is a serious offer. Give me a mailing address. I'll mail mail you some candy. Every don't don't accept candy from strangers on the internet. <laughs> don't Especially during a stranger. Especially during a pandemic. Family. Make Every, sure you microwave it after you unpackage it. Every Halloween, Patrick <laughs> reenacts Cool Hand Luke, but with Reese's eggs instead of hard boiled <laughs> eggs. <laughs> He's forty that, of them at once. 
Cool Hand Luke is a blind spot in my film knowledge, and I'm so sad right now that I'm not getting that joke. Well, he has to eat four. He 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 he. He says he can eat 40 eggs in one sitting. And everyone's like, no way can he eat 40 eggs. But I'll be damned dude, he eats 40 eggs. Dude, my record in like a, a single sitting during this whole quarantine Halloween shit was, I forget, it was either 30 or 40. I mean, even 30 is horrifying enough. But I just like in the space of a half hour, I'm not even kidding. I ate 30 pieces of candy at least. Are we talking this is like why I need individual- people to take it off my hands? Are we talking like individual Skittles or like 30 like fun size bags or treat size pieces of candy? Thir- this is a very good question. Thank you for asking. 30 like fun size little candy bars, like the square, like Reese's, Snickers. Uh, well, the Reese's aren't square, but uh, square Snickers, uh, Milky Ways, whatever. I like that you had to. <laughs> I like that you had to make sure that you involved the geometry of the candy in your response, just so that our listeners have the most accurate picture of the horrible shit that you put into your body. Well, yeah, I can't have them thinking that I ate any of those square Reese's. Yeah, the more corners on a treat, the har- the worse they are for your digestion. Well, if you don't chew them, certainly. Yeah, but I mean, so honestly, one of the highlights of my Halloween was I got home and... Uh, you know, open the windows to get a little bit of a little bit of a cross breeze, and I watched Hubie Halloween, and that was a highlight. I, I just want to clarify that I you did say that Hubie Halloween on Halloween. Uh, it had been something I was curious to check out for some time, and and I gave us the homework assignment to watch it. So I figured no better night than Halloween. So so I went into this movie, uh, it really in the perfect. Other than the fact that I didn't have, like, children watching it with me, I watched this movie under the perfect conditions. Halloween night. This is not a film for children. I'm glad there were no (laughs) kids sitting on the couch with you. I don't understand who this movie's for, to be quite honest. I think it's people who are nostalgic for, like, classic 90s, 2000s Sandler stuff. Well, look, Adam Sandler signed, like, a 30-picture deal with Netflix a few years ago. (laughs) Yeah. So he's got to make something. Um, and yeah. of course, you know, Am Sandler coming off of a, a critically acclaimed, brilliant performance in best film of the 21st century, Uncut <laughs> Gems. Uh, I'd like yeah. to think that maybe what was going on here was like a, a Schindler's List Lost World situation where he was like shooting that movie, Uncut Gems, and he had to, he got too deep into the into the depraved mind of 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 jewelry store gambling addict Howard Ratner and the pulpy mob stories in that film and then at night he'd go onto the set for Hubie Halloween and do this <laughs> shit to to blow Whoa. off steam. Re- serious question here, were Schindler's List and Lost World shot like at the same time? Yes. Like simultaneously? That's wild. Uh, I don't know I if it was actually that. shot, but it was definitely they were definitely working on them at the same time. I know Schindler's List was shooting maybe while Lost World was in like pre production or something, but I've heard anecdotes that like, yeah, Steven Spielberg would go do Holocaust by day and then he'd just like decompress like making big dinosaur eat the car. Damn. Well, I mean, speaking of how one uh, you know, went into this movie, Chris, you said you kind of watched it with the perfect frame of mind. And I came into it with uh, what I feel is a fairly unique frame of mind for, I guess, people of our generation, at least. I had never seen a Happy Madison film before. I had seen fucking Punch Drunk Love. I'd seen Funny People, Uncut Gems. I've seen some Adam Sandler movies, but I'd never seen a Happy Madison film before. So I walked into this with so little context for uh just sort of the the trappings of these films i guess that's insane that's totally insane i'm glad we can have such a highbrow perspective on this episode (laughs) that's like if you like that's like being a fan of every band that slash was in except for guns and roses <laughs> yeah, actually this is kind of like a freaky Friday episode because I feel like Chris and I often represent the sort of like uh populist like trash perspective on this podcast and this week I guess I'm the ostensibly refined one and you guys are the ones who come into this with I mean at least I assume some knowledge of this uh I I I feel like I should just call it a genre. 
It is a genre unto itself, I think. Yeah, Yeah. that's fair. I mean, I haven't really gone deep in the M. Sandler discography. I'm thinking about Slash filmography. (laughs) Um, He's actually... Happy Madison has produced a lot of shit. And actually, this is something that's kind of interesting about Adam Sandler as a businessman and Happy Madison. Like, for the last... 15 years at least it feels like this this whole production company exists just to like uh so that am sandler can just hang out with his friends and they can get paid and have a good time and go to cool places and go like to it's, cool it's places yeah vacations exactly yeah, it's a yeah. well-known vacation machine for him and his buds and his yeah. family yeah which, which you know good for him fine i guess yeah so hubie halloween it's about a town idiot and there's a uh, there's a madman on the loose on Halloween I don't even know night. if he's an idiot. I don't know if Hubie is an idiot. Uh, no? But he's he's definitely a he's an idiot. Come on, dude. He's definitely a square peg in a in a round hole. That's for sure. And you know he he, he has a day job. He works in a deli, and he loves Halloween. He lives all year for Halloween, and he is a loser by any metric any conventional metric uh he he's a he's a grown-ass man he lives with his mother doesn't seem to have a lot of friends certainly doesn't have any romantic prospects uh he's the he's the joke of the town everyone picks on hubie he's basically the Pee Wee herman of salem massachusetts Mm, like more like a nightmare version of Pee Wee herman i guess because peewee's like consistently endearing even when he goofs up and there's so many times basically the whole movie i don't know how i'm supposed to feel about hubie like one minute he seems like a disgusting jackass and then the next minute he's like this like like virtuous virtue what's the word i'm looking for virtuous like he's almost like the he's almost like the town mascot except everybody hates him so weird i don't understand what this character is supposed to represent i mean you're thinking about it too hard he's supposed to be likable he's he's you're supposed to come because it's Adam Sandler and appreciate him being funny and silly. But he's so well, he's so like repugnant though. I mean like <laughs> seeing his seeing his fucking like eating his gross ass soup, seeing his like piss stained sheets on the lawn, like I don't He's a loser. This, it's not a it's not a character portrait. Have you seen Uncut Gems, Steven? Uh, I've seen half of it. Uh I need to I need to fix that. Okay. Well, I don't know why I brought that up, other than that's a more repugnant character, probably. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, yeah, we just we're supposed to like him, and, and he's just doing his thing. He's clowning around. There's spooky, real life spooky shit happening in this town, and he's kind of like elected himself permanent hall monitor of Halloween. So he goes around and he kind of spoils the fun when kids are drinking or whatever. Um, but but the the issue with this movie, and you will you see it if if you watch the trailer, is he uses this fucking voice the whole fucking movie. I had to put subtitles on. We did too. I I watched this with Patrick. And like, I can, you know, normally the voice is annoying, but you can understand or comprehend what he's saying. This is the first time that Patrick asked to put, or anybody has asked to put subtitles on during an English language movie where I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Oh, hell yes. I need that too. Well, and this is, okay, so here's me being like Happy Madison Babe in the Woods. This is a recurring thing, right? This is a voice he's done for other characters. Oh, yeah. I think it is. And I'm thinking, again, my Adam Sandler knowledge is not very deep. I think uh, he did a similar voice, at least in like Little Nicky, in which he played the son of the devil. Uh, But the the, the thing in Little Nicky... I've literally never even heard of that. That's insane. I saw that opening night in theaters, man. I used to be a fan. He plays the son of the devil. He's on Earth to do some mission. The devil's played by Mel Brooks in that movie, I believe. Wow. Um, Appropriate. Ozzy Osbourne is in it. Uh, During the climax of the film, Ozzy eats the head off a bat actually i think he eats the head off the villain of the movie he might eat the head off mel brooks i don't remember but <laughs> but adam sandler has this distinctive voice the whole movie and but the there's a reason because he has a he was like hit in the face with a shovel or something and he has like a permanent his face is kind of like this and he talks like this the whole movie but it's it's motivated by the the background of the character to me, the character of Hubie Halloween, like the voice and everything, just felt as though I was watching a live-action Homer Simpson movie, except written by someone who only finds the stupidest things about Homer funny. In other words, anyone who's written on The Simpsons for the past 15 years. 
Yes. Sure. Oh God. I just, I just tipped my hand. I just tipped my hand. I've been neutral so far and I, I <laughs> just started to weigh in on the quality of this film for the first time. I, you know, I feel like I deserve a medal for making agnostic comments for 10 minutes or however long it's been. Well, I'm, I made up for you. <laughs> But yeah, the okay. Whole, well, look, the, the, the whole right. fucking I got, we got, we got, we cannot stress this enough. The whole fuck, the whole fucking movie. He talked like this. He yeah. talks like this the whole fucking movie. He well, like I this. was gonna just address like the quote unquote plot of this movie. All right, here's I'm another interesting. I'm gonna talk like this for the rest of the show. I'm okay, gonna talk like too. this for the rest of the me show. Me too. Here's an interesting note about the frame of reference that I have for this movie. As Steven mentioned, I watched it once with him. It was Friday night. We were having a bunch of beers. We were talking through the movie. And I didn't like the movie then. I found it confusing. But I was like, shit, I I didn't really process this at all. I really need to give this a second chance. So I've watched this movie twice in the past four days or however many days it's been. Uh... And it did not make any more sense the second time around. This is a fucking fugue state of a film. Oh, there's no there's no momentum. There's not really like a very well-defined arc. Things just happen. There's very little there's some conflict, but there's very little build up to it. This is just a hangout movie. Basically, it's even more of a hangout movie than any other Adam Sandler film I've ever seen. Yeah, we just kind of like mosey from scene to scene. You know, new characters show up, new celebrity cameos. And I mean, certainly comedians, people who I like show up. You know, fucking Maya Rudolph shows up. Love Maya Rudolph. But uh, does she do a goddamn thing in this movie that's memorable or even funny? To me, no. This is definitely a things happen movie. (laughs) Things just happen. There's no story. There's no story at all. I watched this movie. That's pretty good. I watched this movie for 45 minutes waiting for the plot to develop didn't happen well you okay kind, here's you kind of sound like you're doing like hubie halloween doing an impression of barack obama let me uh, be clear we uh deserve a vote <laughs> so yeah. we get we get what turns out to be a major misdirect in the beginning of this movie adam sandler goes in to check on or not i'm sorry Ben Stiller ben goes Stiller. in to check on goes in to check on. He's the first person we see in this movie, I think. He oh, goes in to check right. on an inmate at an insane asylum who has escaped and left behind a fake body full of jello and hot dogs and yep. you can bet one of those hot dogs takes the form of an erect penis on yep. this body because it's an Adam Sandler movie and I you spend like the first hour thinking like, "Oh, there's going to be a depraved lunatic on the loose. People are going to die. They're going to go missing." And there is a little bit of a, you know, somebody does go missing. There's not really any violence or anything. A few people go Nobody, missing. A few people go missing, but, like, by the time that's happening, we very soon find out that it's not, <laughs> that the inmate doesn't really have anything to do with it directly. Well, yeah, and the depraved inmate turns out to be kind of a total red herring. Uh, maybe intentionally, maybe it's, maybe this is a secret success. Maybe it's actually a brilliant screenplay. But, yeah, the whole depraved inmate, people disappearing subplot goes almost nowhere however i did have a lot of fun uh when we were watching the movie and and later i I ended up syncing up and watching the movie the second time with another friend and i really enjoyed playing the game of what shitty comedian is going to be the depraved inmate chris did you have any any guesses on this no were you even thinking about this i guess is the real question uh, also i think we should save the reveal of who it is for the spoiler room i think that's the key spoiler oh of course we could we should mention our we should mention our guesses, though, at some point, because mm-hmm. I thought they were all excellent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm all wrong. I didn't have any. I mean, no. I mean, obviously, you got the you got the spooky, the the, the inmate where I, I forget even where that goes. But yeah, Steve Buscemi is, is plays a very interesting character. In fact, he steals the show in my book. Uh, in my agree. Yeah. Steve 100%. Buscemi plays a werewolf um and really uses his comedic chops which you know what i tell Mm. people no one listens to me uh steve buscemi is one of the most underrated actors working today the man has range the man can do it all oh and he's been in several happy madison movies and 
he's usually the highlight. You know, You're even right. when he only has like a cameo, he's the funniest goddamn thing in the movie. Yeah. Of course, I was, Wait, ho- so- I was hoping Ray Liotta would be the villain. Uh, just because Ray Liotta, great villain. Wait, so Chris, are you saying that you suspected Steve Buscemi was actually the madman? I wasn't interested in who was the madman as much as what's the okay. conflict in this movie and like what's the connection between these characters. And spoiler alert, there really wasn't any. <laughs> There's not because like everybody is set up to be kind of everyone aside from Hubie is set up to be kind of evil or at least like out of touch or deranged in some way. Oh, I should say Adam Sandler and his love interest, his inexplicable love interest who he Bay- fell in Billy love with Kane. in the second grade. Yes. Oh, yeah. I love Valentine. Uh, the, um, oh shit. I forgot her name. Julie Bowen. I was from gonna- happy Gilmore. Right? Oh, I was, I was or gonna- Billy Madison. One of those. I I, for, I forgot the actress's name. I was thinking I was going to call her the poor man so and so, but I forgot. I forgot who. Anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, it, it, an inscrutable love story, which you know, again, he, this guy lives in town. He's known everybody since he was a child. Uh, he's still hung up on this uh, woman who he graduated with thirty years ago, which relatable. But <laughs> I, did, yeah, I don't, well, okay. I I, I want to go back to Steve Buscemi for a minute because I just also want to fucking give Steve Buscemi his flowers. Absolutely, the MVP of this movie. Every line he delivers, just ah, he's so he's so sly, and you know, not I. I don't think he has any better material in this movie than anybody else. But just kind of does it all in a very low key kind of way. Uh, and and I think got maybe the only actual laughs in this movie out of me. There's one bit towards the end. You know, I, I think we already kind of tipped our hands that he plays a werewolf. I guess that's a spoiler, but who gives a fuck? Um, and at the end, there's just a kind of a choice moment where he drops a little like, and it's just like a really low key little howl. Almost feels ad libbed. There are some some little moments in the credits uh, bloopers where he clearly just like killed everybody on set with this in real life and it's hilarious he's great but i think one of the biggest laughs in the movie to me and i this is where i'm going to admit i did watch this a second time too but only because i had like forgotten quite a bit of it it was torture but I, it was out in the background while i was working um but when steve buscemi is uh is introduced to Hubie and he's talking about how you know you might see some strange things over at my house but but yes. you know, don't pay any attention in fact it's important that you don't and the way he delivers <laughs> yes. that line is so fucking funny to me i laughed just as hard the second time around he right. kills it he puts so much thought and like effort into this otherwise really dumb role that serves no narrative function to the entire film it's yeah it's it's very very good we got kevin james in this shit we got ray liotta just oh my god what ugh we got june squibb yeah i i I mean the great june squibb didn't she she was at least nominated for an oscar at some point right she was she didn't win nebraska yeah yeah i mean just like top tier talent wearing fucking boner donor and muff diving t-shirts throughout the entire thing just debasing herself at every corner i would debase myself if am sandler called me up and said hey you want to fuck around this movie and you'll get paid like a couple grand and we're just gonna have a good is you know what fuck the movies this is probably just a great team to work with Oh, I'm sure they had um, a fantastic time. They're probably having the best time of any fucking set. What, you want to fucking hang out with fucking Paul Thomas Anderson in the fucking desert? Fucking listening to him talk about fucking theme? Or do you want to just... Yeah, yeah, I do. Or do you want to go to Salem and hang out in, like, the coolest spooky town in America with a bunch of amazing people? I don't think it was actually shot there, was it? I think it was. It, I've been to Salem. It looked like it. Yeah, well, wherever Salem it was. Salem wasn't that cool, though, dude. I, I, I got to register the hot take on that one. It we went on, like, cool. a Sunday afternoon Wait, or something. Tell, tell, like, me about, if, uh, tell me about your trip to Salem. We were I mean, on an East Coast road trip. We went out to Boston. We stopped, on, we stopped in Salem on the way up to... Uh, Maine and other points uh, and i mean yeah like steven says we just wandered around downtown on a sunday afternoon we saw a witch statue we went into a witch shop 
Uh, I think we went into a comics shop. It was fine. It was a cool little downtown, I fine, guess, but, but we, not not like a vacation destination. I guess the I same way that there. like Sandler has like taken people to fucking Africa or whatever to make movies before. I wonder if I could move there. It's got. It feels a lot like Monroe, except I don't know. Even in the short time we spent there, I could like feel the history, and I want to go back. I'm I actually bet. planning. I was planning to with my mom. Uh, pre-COVID, so that's been postponed. But like, I want to actually go and like see where witches were fucking burned and shit. It like, probably has fun. the most horror-related jobs per capita of anywhere in the U.S. Right? Outside of uh, you know, Washington D.C. Oh, hot grown. <laughs> that Damn. was my that was my Bill Maher joke of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I wish no, I could but, remember I mean, my Bill Maher joke about Halloween. It was hilarious. So, I mean, here's my, uh, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle on the experience that people had on set. If you watch these bloopers, you don't get the sense of people necessarily having fun. Weirdly, unlike most bloopers that you'll see in credits, no one is really like laughing at each other. It's just kind of a series of shots of Adam Sandler doing alternate like extreme reacts to being scared. I don't know if people were necessarily having fun making this movie, but I agree with the idea that, hey, you know, they're fucking actors. They got to work. Sandler probably paid them well. Netflix paid them well. What else are you going to do, you know? And and who are we to sit here and be like, yeah, stupid plot, and it wasn't actually funny. They're making yeah, money. I, They're I doing feel their like job. I feel like we're just, we're, we're trying to talk about this movie on completely the wrong metrics. Very simple movie. We probably should have only spent five minutes. I would rather just talk about Salem than, than talk about this movie anymore, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I mean, I mean so- I've got a proposal. We should talk about who we thought the madman was going to be, and we should go to the spoiler room, review it and have we and, talked and about the we haven't talked about the thermos yet though have we <laughs> oh the thermos oh, yeah God. i loved it i love the it. most obnoxious oh. fucking thing but it's very peewee it's very peewee's big adventure adam sandler or i just call him hubie I, how can you forget that name like i usually do um he's got this thermos that he built in like the eagle scouts or something that is just like an all-purpose gadget that also dispenses absolutely disgusting soup that he drinks throughout the entire film but it's a multi-purpose tool it's a vacuum it's a fucking what else does he use it for it does everything it's everything it's a flare gun he can catch things with it it's a radio it's a (laughs) yeah yeah and it's great like why not and you know what i don't need an explanation of that just this random guy has this like sci-fi thermos that does everything yeah why not fuck it it's great i'm having an existential crisis right now because Pee-wee's Big Adventure is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. And Steven is, oh, I can't argue with what Steven just said, that this thermos is totally Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And I love every single thing about Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It's a perfect film. There's nothing I would criticize about it. And I can't figure out what's the crucial distinction that makes me hate this thermos, but love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. The the distinction is probably you grew up with Pee-wee and you saw this as a jaded 30-year-old man. No! No! See? (laughs) Okay, here's an interesting window into my childhood. My parents didn't let me watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure because there was a gun in it. It was rated (laughs) it was rated P... It was rated PG, and at one point, Mickey pulls out a gun, and my mom even described it to me because I wanted to watch it because I liked Pee-wee's Playhouse. I was a big Pee-wee fan, and I was like, can I watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure? And she's like, no, Uh, he pulls out a gun in it. And I'm like, this still boggles my mind because it's like, okay, so I know there's a gun now. Like, you've explained it to me. Why is it okay for me to know there's a gun, but not to, like, watch him pull out a gun in the movie? So... Anyway, long story short, I I didn't didn't see Pee-wee's Big Adventure until, I don't know how old I was, but at least mid-teens, probably. I have a very serious question. What, when you first saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which I feel like we were friends by that point, that you'd become a fan of the movie, um, were you, like, was this like a Chekhov situation where you watched the movie in anticipation of the gun being revealed (laughs) (laughs) in horror? I mean, not in horror, but there was a certain degree of, like... Uh, you know, how is the gun going to fit into this? You know, because it was an element that I already knew was there. And I was like, okay, how is this going to play out? And I think it's one of those weird things. You know, I mean, this is the classic argument, I guess, against censorship. You know, I already know it's going to be there. And whatever you imagine, whatever the use of it is going to be, it can't possibly be as horrifying as how it's been described to you at this point, you know? Yeah. 
I guess it is kind of like a reverse Chekhov's gun, but like, did you have like nightmares thinking about Pee-wee and a gun as a kid after your mom told you this? You know, as as a as a young child, however old I was, I don't know, maybe eight, nine, ten, something like that. I, I think I did. I think it did kind of spook me when she told me about it originally. I do have vague memories of that. And this is why you love guns today and can't buy enough of them. <laughs> Wait, can I take us back to eggs for a moment? Because um, I, I Wait, rewatched I, this movie. Uh, not yet. Because I want to okay. know. Does, so does this mean you didn't see anything with a gun in it? Like, what about Batman and stuff like that? Oh, I didn't see. Listen, dude. Like, fucking. <laughs> I, <laughs> Did I'm you grow up on VeggieTales f- exclusively? I remember when. Star Wars Episode One came out, 1999. I would have been 11. I was like praying that it would be rated G because I wasn't allowed to watch PG movies. And I was like, I kept telling my mom, I was like, I think it's going to be rated G. And she was like, I don't think so. I don't think so. (laughs) There's laser guns in it. Darth Maul is in that movie. When the Sam Raimi Spider-Man came out, uh, we had to wait for that to come out on VHS, of course, because we weren't going to see it in the theaters. And my parents pre-screened it, and they were like, nah, the ending's too violent. And you know what? To be fair, the ending is pretty violent, but still, I mean, I, who gives a fuck? I was 13 or whatever. A kid can see the Green Goblin get rammed through with a glider. P- so PG stands for parental guidance. Were your parents just not big on providing you guidance while watching media? <laughs> I, I feel like too much guidance. I feel like they decided their guidance was just going to be, don't watch the movie. I feel like it's supposed to be, we're going to watch it with you. And then we're yeah. going to talk about it later. And if there's anything that disturbed you about it, it's like, it's mellow enough in the grand scheme of things that like, we can work a child through this and yeah. and they won't be scarred yeah. afterward. Unless yep. we're talking gremlins, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> I mean, Spider-Man still kind of gets me because uh, I feel like my mom didn't screen it too well because years later, I mean, this is maybe, I don't know, five years ago or something. I don't know. I was in my 20s. And uh, she brought up Willem Dafoe and she's like, oh, yeah, um, you know, that guy that played uh, the Green Glob or whatever his name was in Spider-Man. <laughs> The Green Glob. I love it. He will forever be known as the Green Glob. It doesn't matter what role he's playing in a film. <laughs> All right. So what do you got about eggs, Steven? What do you oh, know about eggs? I mean, so we, we were talking about, about eating eggs earlier. Um, the thermos in the first... Sec, I guess the second scene in the movie when we're introduced to Hubie, he's riding through town. Everybody's giving him shit, and a bunch of kids toss eggs at him because it's like devil's night, you know, and they're all being little shits. And he catches and all these eggs. And later, it should be noted, they literally give him shit. That's oh, yeah. true. Bags that's of flaming true. shit. That's true, and that's that's an Adam Sandler trope. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're lobbing eggs at him. He catches them all with a thermos, and then he sucks them all down, Rocky Balboa style, as he says, and then almost immediately, and I did laugh because it's so crass, almost immediately after he says Rocky Balboa style, he lets out this, like, exorcist spew of vomit off the side of his bike as he's driving down the street. <laughs> I don't know. It has its moments. Like, yeah, dude, like, it, it's a... It's a funny movie. I dare anyone to watch this whole movie and not laugh twice. Maybe no more, but you'll laugh twice. I laugh twice. Uh, are we including? Are we including Steve Buscemi bits in that? Yeah, we're including the whole movie. Oh, okay, sure. I'll get along with that. I'll no, go along I, with I that. laughed. I I for, and I not. It's like not like oh, this is a well crafted, well written situational joke. There's just dumb shit that is fucking funny. Uh, the asthma inhaler gag got me. <laughs> wow. Well, I will Did say, I think you? That I'm, cra- I'm I, losing my shit just thinking about it. <laughs> I do you need, don't do you need remember an asthma what you inhaler are right talking now? about, and I saw this twice. He's in the police station for no reason, and for no reason, and I don't even think he uses the inhaler before or after. He takes an asthma inhaler out and uses it, and then for like the next two minutes every time the cops talking to him he's just exhaling inhaler spray (laughs) well i will say chris to your two laughs challenge i will say i think there is an inverse relationship in this film with how often you laugh and how often you are offended because there is some pretty 
borderline offensive stuff in this. Like, I don't think it ever goes too far, but it's crass as hell. I mean, there's a there's a whole extended oh. joke at the end of the movie that in that involves uh, where Hubie is like viscerally and I uh, wildly uncomfortable. I would say because of a man and a woman who each speak in voices uh. of the opposite gender, and it goes on for way too long. Oh man, yeah, we should dig into that a little more in the spoiler room. But yeah, that was that was big cringe. I, I, Guys, I I love being the woke police. I don't think I can get on board with that being problematic. <laughs> I'm not saying I was offended, but I can certainly see folks who might be. Uh, um, and I wouldn't fault them for it. It's not even necessarily a woke police thing. I mean, there's... Uh, to some degree, I guess it's offensive, but mostly it's just offensively stupid. Yes. yes. Okay, yeah, oh, there we that's go. That's my poll quote on this whole movie. <laughs> to some degree, it's offensive, but mostly it's just offensively stupid. Uh, that's my I, poll but what, quote. What? You're, fuck, you're too fucking good for this movie? Like, who cares? No, I mean, I are, listen, I already acknowledged a minute ago the folly, essentially, of critiquing this movie at all. There's essentially no point, because it... No, so what, nobody, why, why, w- nobody was setting out to impress us. They were setting out to do a job. Netflix paid them to do a thing because a certain number of people will sign up for Netflix to watch these movies. They did their job. I'll do yeah. it. You I'll know s- what? I applaud them. It worked. You know what? It worked. Flex. They delivered because I read a couple days ago, this is Netflix's most watched movie of 2020. Wow. Really? Yeah. I you know what? Shit. Good. God bless him. I'm less offended by this than I am fucking bird box. <laughs> oh, I was just about to drop a bird box in there so you could put the sound in. <laughs> like, you know, this movie does it does what it sets out to do. There's an audience for this movie. It's forgettable. There's laughs in there. Fuck it. So I actually want to respond to Chris's challenge from earlier about laughing twice. I think I only laughed twice at the two Steve Buscemi moments that we already mentioned. But then I realized there is a third bit that kind of made me smirk. The Harley Quinn bit is kind of yes. funny. Oh, it's kind of yeah, brilliant. Except funny. they overplay it. They no. point out the fact that they're all wearing Harley Quinn costumes. And it honestly would be fucking funnier if they were just wearing Harley Quinn costumes and no one referenced it. And then, and then they, they abandon the bit because later towards the end of the movie, there's another news report. But the news reporter is not just as Harley Quinn. And I was like, ah, they should have brought it back. Well, I will say on the Harley Quinn bit, I thought it was absolutely hilarious yes there is a lot of like adam sandler or other characters stating the obvious or stating exposition or stating text that is on the screen like when adam sandler is like read or hubie is reading through his yearbook and it's all like the largest (laughs) font possible and he has to read it aloud to you this movie isn't made for people who can fucking read (laughs) <laughs> but the Harley Quinn bit comes back because there's a a little girl in the same slutty Harley Quinn costume later in the movie, trick or treating. Yeah, very, yeah, very. I, I, I love, I loved it. It was great. It, sh- it should also be noted that someone lost their job over that bit. Like the newscaster who's dressed up as Harley Quinn is a real life newscaster and lost her job because of something contractual. She said it was something contractual due to her appearance in the movie. Well, I hope DC hires her because she deserves better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we review this fucking thing? Absolutely. I'll re- I mean, no, we shouldn't. We shouldn't, but I don't think we have the option not to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, you know, and here's the thing: I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bit of a Patrick on this. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a cue it, but I'll say that for most reasonable people, it's a screw it. Um, I, I think if you're you're going this uh, expecting the dumbest possible Adam Sandler Halloween-based family comedy or attempt at a family comedy, you will still be disappointed because I was. I, I think I really went in with the right mind frame and I got something a lot weaker than I was hoping for. But, you know, what can you say? I, 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 have, I have no ill will towards this movie. It's fun enough. I didn't get bored. It kind of sucks, but, you know... If you want to watch a movie called Hubie Halloween where the character talks unintelligibly the whole movie, eh, you could do worse. You could <laughs> probably also do better. <laughs> so cue it. Steven. Chris, I will co-sign everything you just said. Like, I went into this thinking, like, 
this is at least going to be fun if I get myself pretty drunk and I'm in just like the most relaxed, easy pleasing mood possible. And it's still like kind of hard to get through. There's some good laughs. Um, you know, the Halloween atmosphere is great, even though the cinematography is kind of awful in places, which Patrick and I both uh, were a little irked by. And, you know, the, okay, so this was recommended actually shortly after. I this became an assignment for us. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Rebecca McKendry, who does a lot with the Fangoria Network. She's the only person I've ever heard of who has a, a doctorate in horror studies. And even she was like, you know what? If you like, if you can just accept that it's an Adam Sandler movie set on Halloween and expect nothing from it except crass jokes, it's a great time. I disagree with that for like 90% of this movie. However, I'm going to give it a cue I think the moments that worked, the moments that made me laugh, that made me nostalgic for, you know, the the Happy Madison movies of the 90s and early 2000s, um, they worked well enough on me, at least. It's a very particular kind of taste that won't appeal to everyone, which is why I'm giving it a, a cue. It just going middle of the road here. Patrick? Very, screw very it. curious. Oh, wow. Total <laughs> shocker. Screw it. Watched this drunk, hated it. Watched it sober, still hated it. I don't know. And especially on top of everything else, I just got to game the average. Like, there's so much shit that we've watched that we've given screw-its to that is better than this. And I, I, even if I'm being my most humane, forgiving self saying, hey, it's just Adam Sandler doing his job, which I've already indicated it is, I still can't contribute to this falling higher in our ranking than oh my god so many movies so many movies yeah so and i it. mean is a movie another movie that got like three cuits from us would be like cam <laughs> which is so much better than this i would go back i want to go back right now and give cam a view it compared to everything we've well seen time since. travel only exists in the movies steven no. you have to live with the consequences of your actions all right well before we go down to the spoiler room, I have two things to say about this. One is the normal thing. Go to the website, everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. Click the buy merch link. Get our t-shirt. Subscribe to us. Review us on your podcast provider of choice. It helps people find the show, and we love to see the feedback. And follow us on your social media at EHMONcast. The second thing is what are the guesses for the madman we already know chris doesn't have one he thought it or no you didn't think it was steve Buscemi. that was a tangent that was i a didn't tangent. Chris I didn't, didn't think have one. i didn't think about that i was just like how are all these characters connected and where have i seen this actor before oh that's the guy from the shield why is the fucking guy from the <laughs> shield playing a fucking walk-on part is like a priest in this movie oh wait well, it's it's adam you- sandler he just hires c-list celebrities that he happens to be friends with for every fucking role to be clear, Michael Chiklis from The Shield is, is not the madman. Chris, I, I'm just curious. If you were to cast your mind back, you see this madman wearing, wearing a mask. We're kind of, the movie is building him up as, you know, uh, uh, a mystery man. What, what do you think your guess would have been at that point if you were in a guessing mood? Taking myself back to that moment, I think, like, I was thinking it was going to end up being, like, Gary Busey playing himself. Okay. Oh, my God. Perfect. Great Steven, guess. remind me of your guess. Uh, well, l- let me say first. So, like, I I think we were all pretty certain that the Madman was not an actor we'd seen on screen before. We know he has long blonde hair because we only ever yep. see him from behind or with a mask on or something. So I thought, who is in this movie? Who is not in this movie that is in the Adam Sandler stable of dipshits who has blonde hair? I thought it might be that obvious. So my oh. guess was David Spade. Oh yeah, or uh, or Luke Wilson. Uh, well, I went I went Owen Wilson, who is I, the one with blonde hair. Oh Chris. yeah, I never keep them straight. I never know which one's which. But also, I think that guess was informed somewhat by the fact that I mixed up the movie The Wedding Singer with Wedding Crashers. <laughs> <laughs> like Stephen and Allison with a Y were talking about The Wedding Singer and how they liked the movie, and I was like, with Vince Vaughn, and they're like, what? No, so. the um the wedding singer stands out in my memory as like the the best Adam Sandler comedy. I'm with you. Yeah. One I million I should, percent. 
I guess love I it. should check it out. Yeah. Well, uh, um, no spoilers yet, but uh, the Madman was in The Wedding Singer. I should say the actor. I don't even know so. who the Madman was, so someone else will have to spoil it for us. Uh, <laughs> when we right. go to the spoiler room, which will happen uh, right now, we're going to the spoiler room. So yeah, do everything Patrick said. Send us a message. Tell us what you thought of Hubie Halloween. And if you ha- let us know if you had to watch it with the subtitles on or off. Uh, and then, yeah, if you want to know the identity of the killer and so much more, follow us down to the spoiler room. Otherwise, oh, and send me your mailing address if you want some candy. Yeah, send this creepy guy whose voice you've only ever heard online your address. Do that. Nothing, no harm will come to you, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back. We're down here in the spoiler room, ready to spoil everything about Hubie Halloween, the Adam Sandler thriller. And yeah, so you guys tell me who the hell was the actual, uh, or who, oh, well, I know who the maniac ended up being. What I want to know is who escaped from the asylum. Oh, I guess we should have clarified. Well, who escaped from the asylum was Rob Schneider. Oh, yes. Oh, right. The the villain, an absolute villain uh, off screen as well as on screen. Well, and also just kind of perfectly in keeping. Like, I think all of our guesses, including yours, Chris, where you cast your mind back, I think they are all, like, perfectly on point. But Rob Schneider is also, like, of course it's Rob Schneider. He just, like, he yeah. fits into this tapestry of call. bullshit perfectly. Yeah. And perfect. this movie, I think this movie wants you to guess. And, I mean, I, I guess it's clear that they want you to guess because there's a misdirect in the reveal. Rob Schneider doesn't have long blonde hair. Like, they have to make him look a little different, so you're surprised that it's him. Yeah. Right? But, yeah. anyway, Rob big Schneider's dumb reveal. Just playing Doesn't Rob matter. Schneider, um, the actual maniac, is that none other than Hubie's mother? June Squibb. Sure. Um, and basically, the, the, the her motivation is you know, everyone in the town's been being so mean to Hubie, so she, as a, as a good, caring mother, has gone out on Halloween night somehow been able to overpower people like Ray Liotta, not by a little, but by a lot, like sending these fuckers just flying into the cornfields and stuff like they're being pulled by a supernatural force. And uh, she's kidnapped them all. She ties them up and she's going to burn them all at the stake because they've been bullying her little boy. And that cannot be allowed to stand. Yeah, essentially it's like a Sunday special anti-bullying message all of a sudden for like five minutes. Yeah, which what you do know, they call that, it? No, after school special. Why didn't I say Sunday special? Yeah, after school special. And and Hubie's mom really delivers after school special dialogue for pretty much the entire movie. It's like the second scene of the movie where like Hubie comes home and she's like, Hubie, you need to learn this lesson in this movie today. Yeah, she talks about how boner means mistake. That's what you mean, right? <laughs> right, sure. Yeah, that's an enduring um, joke throughout this movie. And that's basically it. You know, that's it. And and she ends up escaping into the woods. Everyone get everyone survives. Hubie ends up falling in love with the blonde heroine from high school. Yeah. Um I, I did really enjoy the scene where we thought well, she was no, the killer. I, I feel like that's the wrong syntax. Hubie has been in love. She falls in love with him. She's yeah, been in love with him too. He so he fell in love with her in the second grade, and then she responds, "I fell in love with you in the first grade. Why weren't okay, you in love with me?" Sure. And he said he was in love with his seventy-year-old teacher, and then <laughs> he fell in love with her the next year. <laughs> Why do I remember this so well? I don't know. I'm a little uh, disappointed yeah. in myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those movies where there's no real motivation for them to fall in love other than hey, they're in love, happy ending. And well, and we're supposed to believe, you know, in spite of his strangeness and his gross behavior and his, like, lack of development, she she falls in love with him because he's a fundamentally good person. Looks don't matter, guys. Looks don't matter. You know, that's a beautiful thing. Sure. It moved me. I cried. Yeah. Great, <laughs> great film. That's your movie. That's your reality. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, really, what else is there to say? Oh, another actor who fucking debases himself in this is Tim Meadows. God bless Tim Meadows, but, like, Jesus. I, I don't know if 
an actor in general has ever been more consistently wasted than Tim Meadows. Oh, also the actor who we talked about before, who hilariously had a different tone of voice than you expect him to have is Shaq. Like we hear a, an apparently female voice on the radio throughout this movie and late in the game, it's revealed, LOL, it's Shaq. Yeah, that was funny. Fuck you guys. Nah. That was funny? Like I I don't I guess I don't really get the joke except that it's not the person you would expect after hearing this voice the entire time, but I I didn't really take any delight in seeing Shaq appear in a movie, which I feel is the whole point of the bit. Yeah, I mean if you if you don't feel <laughs> delight in seeing Shaq appear in a movie, it's going to fall flat. Yeah, I mean Sorry, but it it ain't 1996 anymore. I I look to more in movies than uh, cameo appearances. I guess oh, well, <laughs> like then, I expect yeah. there to be some meat. Then to watch them. a different movie. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I will now that I've watched this twice. <laughs> uh, I I'm willing to to, to share my uh my, my. We can talk about my glasses now. Oh if, what. If, uh, so we've been dancing around this for like a year now. We've been dancing around this for some months, but but longtime listeners uh, may remember we I, I talked about making a really stupid uh, purchase, um, and I didn't want to talk about it. Turns out this is the per- did you pick this movie, Chris, so you could talk about your glasses? <laughs> no, but it works out that way really nicely. So so basically, uh, a few months ago, there was an auction put on by A24, the famed film uh, d- producer distribution company, and you know they made uncut gems. And mostly as a meme, I placed a significant wager on an item from this auction. Uh, I kind of accidentally won it. Cost a stupid amount of money, but I own the sunglasses from Uncut Gems. Not sunglasses like the ones in Uncut Gems, but the ones that were actually on the Sandman's face. I'm wearing well, them as I speak to you same. right now. You you own one pair of sunglasses from the movie that is that is featured through a particular portion of the film, right? Yes, There's it's, multiple. I, it's the only sunglasses he wears in the movie, though. Oh, I thought he had multiple pairs. Okay, he has never mind. Multiple His pairs glasses, glasses are just distinctive in general. Okay. Yes, he's he's got he's got normal glasses and he's got sunglasses, but these are the glasses from the from the climax of the film. This is the these are the glasses from the this is how I win meme. So not only is it a piece of motion picture history, it's a picture it's a piece of uh of meme history. And they're mine and it's a prized possession. And, well, I, and I, I just you might feel be, the Sandman's energy when I wear them. You might be too humble to say it, but but the money also did go to a great cause, right? Oh yeah, that, a, a, that was I would never I would I'd be I you would have to put me down if this money went to anything other than this uh charity. It was uh you know, during the height of the pandemic, well, what was the height of the pandemic before the the height that we're going to experience next month um in <laughs> the money went to fund a shelter in uh New York City that was doing a whole bunch of work uh around the pandemic to help people out and it was a charity auction and uh so yeah i i I bid with the assumption i would be outbid but much like uncut gems uh it didn't go that way and have you learned nothing chris they they look great (laughs) and and, and we'll share a a photo of them on our social media yeah yeah of course can you grow out a mustache first like not not for uncut gems but for hubie halloween Oh, I want to see what Hubie would look like wearing these sunglasses. We should just Photoshop the current lower half of my face onto Chris's face and post that because I have a mustache right now. Oh, oh, there we go. Talk about things that should be put to death if they ever <laughs> existed in reality. Hey, fuck you, buddy. Hey, uh, another interesting fact. So we were talking about, you know, uh, if this movie were to get three cues, whatever. You know what else got three cues? John Carpenter's Halloween. Really? Well, yep. well, well, it got a view. Well, too. And, and a view, but it did get three cues. Yeah. yeah. Can't well, I, I even even despite my mixed feelings on John Carpenter's Halloween, I can't put this in that same company. I can't decide for myself in my mind right now which movie has a more lagging pace. Actually, <laughs> I stand by my cuits to both. Yeah. Well. All right. Well, is it time to start uh, throwing some dirt onto the still living body of Hubie Halloween? Damn, did that happen in this movie? That did happen in this movie. Yeah. Oh, that's it, one of the uh, <clears throat> jokes. It is ruined me. 
interrupts a funeral, falls into the grave, and then they start throwing oh, dirt right. onto they him. Oh, right. They bury him alive, like in Casino. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, this, this movie, this is dead. This conversation is dead. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm still down to meme for a few minutes, but I don't even know if we got that in us at this point. You know, believe it or not, it I have I have other things I could say about this movie, but I'm not going to, um, for the sake of our time and sanity. Yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> All right, let's get the fuck out of here. So uh, it's Patrick's turn to pick the next movie. So uh, tough act to follow, Patrick. What's it going to be? Yes. So and and, and I'm I'm just going to preface this by saying you guys have been perhaps spared from a few selections because Netflix did a fucking bloodletting after Halloween. Like a bunch of things that were on my list of potential picks have disappeared. You're off the hook for Paranormal Activity. You're off the hook for Scary Movie. You're off the hook for Sleepy Hollow. What movie are we watching? All right. Here's what I'm picking. So for and here's even more preamble. So. I you've all heard me talk about Hannibal on this show way too fucking much. I've been talking about it since quarantine. I've been making my way through the TV show Hannibal since way too long. So I know what we're watching. Mm, do you though? Do you though? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I do. I so think I do too. I finally finished watching the show. What do you think we're watching? Red Dragon. We are watching Red Dragon. I thought you might guess Silence of the Lamps. I think uh, that's no another new. thing that I got. I know new. I think Silence of the Lambs got fucking cut from Netflix after Halloween too. Yeah, we're watching Brett Ratner's Red Dragon because it's adapted in the final half of season three of Hannibal. And I have seen this movie before, but I'm kind of curious to revisit it and see its take on the Red Dragon story, which was most famously done on film by Michael Mann in Manhunter. But yeah, Brett Hell Ratner's yeah. Red Dragon. Uh, I am Philip Seymour Hoffman right now, and you are just tying me to a chair and making me watch this shit. That I, I was going to say, <laughs> I have two. I, I, I saw this movie in theaters. Neither of these moments are spoilers for the movie, but there are two things I remember and only two things. There's Philip Seymour Hoffman in the in the wheelchair and what eventually happens to him, which I laughed out loud at. <laughs> me too. Um, and I'm, there's Ray Fine's penis as he's running up the stairs naked. <laughs> it was the first time I'd seen that. first time I'd seen a penis in a movie and uh might have changed me a little bit. Uh Chris, have you seen this movie or Manhunter? Oh yeah, I've seen Red Dragon. I've I've seen Silence of the Lambs. I've seen Hannibal. I've seen Brett Ratner's Red Dragon. They're great films. We have to refer to it as Brett Ratner's <laughs> Red Dragon upon all references. Uh, my favorite in the trilogy, controversial opinion, Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> I love Hannibal. <laughs> I almost want to rewatch it now so that I can have an official hot take on that. I feel like I disagree. I haven't um, seen young Hannibal, um, but I have seen, obviously, Silence of the Lambs. Also one of my favorite movies of all time, Red Dragon and uh, Hannibal. I remember Hannibal... I don't know. I don't remember. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I don't remember much about Red Dragon. All right. Well, I guess I guess uh, that's that then. So in uh, two weeks, we'll be back. We'll be uh, we'll be we'll be watching some Hollywood shit, some A list shit. This was a this is a movie. This movie actually came out. This movie was in theaters. This movie had celebrities. <laughs> this movie has Sir Anthony Hopkins and Sir Ralph Fiennes. Well, Ray Fines. Ray, 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 Fine. Ray Fines. What are they brothers? No, no, it's no, Rafe. It's, it's pronounced Rafe. What? It's not yeah, Ralph. Yeah. No, <laughs> I've been calling him Ralph my entire life. Rafe. Well, if he ever yeah. finds out, he's going to wreck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and this movie also had the weird distinction of being, um, you know, some kind of like a. I guess a return to quote unquote form for the franchise that never should have been because you have Hannibal, which turned out to be just this insane, lurid, like off the rails <laughs> thing that happened Hannibal? <laughs> after Silence of the Lambs, uh, and, and which was, you know, like r- roundly poorly received. And then it was like, oh, okay, we're going back to the roots. This is going to be like the prestige follow-up to Silence of the Lambs that we all deserve. But they hired Brett Ratner to direct it. And from what I remember, it doesn't necessarily... I don't know. It's just so weirdly middle of the road from what I remember. Like, yeah, it's, it's it, it, certainly it, it, not the, like memorable movie for the ages follow-up to silence of the lambs that we deserve but also doesn't 
bear any of what I'm going to laughingly describe as the hallmarks of Brett Ratner direction. But anyway, we're going to discuss it next episode, not this one. All right. Well, I guess that's that, guys. Uh, Hubie Halloween's in the books. We're moving on. Two weeks. Red Dragon. You know where to find us. We'll be right here. Find us online if you want. Talk some shit. Troll us. Maybe we'll troll you back. Uh, But with that said, that's all we got. So for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Steven. See you next time. (laughs) 